You're listening to Comedy Central. Happy Daylight Savings Time, everybody. Yeah. Woohoo. Yes. That's the worst thing America ever like did. And yes, I'm remembering all the wars. <laughs> daylight Savings is horrible. My body's not made for this. My brain is not made for it. Like, I know I've always wanted to, like, do time travel, but this is the shittiest version of it. Just, like, set your clocks. It's like, it's dumb. Do you want the lights at night or do you not? Like, do you know what we do in the rest of the world? We just accept that the sun changes its position. That's what we do. Classic. America's like, nah. What if we could change time? But you don't. You just make life horrible. And then I don't know which clock is correct now. Because sometimes I have clocks that I've changed and then there's clocks that I haven't changed. And there's clocks that I think don't change themselves, but then they have changed, and then I change them. And then now I'm actually like super behind, but I'm not like behind like everybody. I'm just like two hours behind. Do you know how weird that is? Sometimes I'll be in the kitchen and then I'll get on like a phone call. And then when I look at the microwave, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I've been talking for two hours. And it's like, no, I haven't. The time just didn't change. I would bet half of the murders in America just come from daylight savings. <laughs> you guys need to stop this. What happens if you murder someone when the clock jumps back? Like, if you time it really well. Did you murder the person? Because there's just like an hour that's missing. What happens then? Yeah, do you go to jail for that? I'm asking for a friend. But I need the answer now. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America, it's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, islands are going extinct. Big Bird and Aaron Rodgers brawl, and Spike Lee. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and joining me for today's headlines is my good friend, Michael Costa. What's going on, Michael? <sighs> Feeling good, man. Yeah? I, I love sitting here. This is fun. I got a great seat. What, well, it's the only seat. I know. I'm front row seat. Watching you perform. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And then well, I'll, I'll, I take notes and stuff, and I'll email them to you after. But this is a great seat, you know? What do you mean notes? Like, like, like notes about like, what I'm doing? Well, just positive feedback. Just enjoy it more, and don't worry about the, the criticism, though. Yeah, okay, got it's it. like we're doing this thing together. Just think of it like that. It's like this thing we're doing here, it's sort of like sex. We're both in it. Yep. And I appreciate that you appreciate me, and I'm just trying to appreciate you. But if you send me emails afterwards, yep. yeah. That's no. true. That's true. And now that I think about it, that, that's been one of the issues I've had in previous relationships. Emailing after Emailing sex. after sex. Well, we live and we learn, my yep, friend. Yeah, thank you for helping me today. All right, well, let's do it. Let's get into today's headlines. We kick things off with climate change. It's humanity's way of getting revenge on that titanic iceberg. Now, some of the biggest victims of climate change are actually going to be island nations, which could be completely swallowed by rising sea levels. And one of these nations is trying to call attention to this danger. One world leader demonstrating the impact of climate change on his home. Tuvalu's foreign minister recorded his COP26 message in knee-high waters. Island nations like his are particularly vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. Some world leaders at COP26 are asking if wealthy industrialized nations should pay reparations for damage already caused by climate change. Yeah. That's a powerful image, although next time I wouldn't smile. You know, I wouldn't be in like the water being like, we're dying! It doesn't have the same effect. But it is powerful still. Island nations can't survive if everybody is in waist-deep water. It's a terrible thing. 
Meaning, uh, there is one benefit, and that is you can pee whenever you want and nobody will know, but that will make up for all the other problems. And I hope a message like this will spur the world to take action, especially rich first world nations. Because if these islands sink, there's a lot of tax haven money that's gonna drown. And I know what you're thinking right now. If this means Staten Island goes away forever, then it's worth it, right, Trevor? No. We need to protect all islands. Because think about it. Think about how much islands have given to the world. Without islands, there's no dream vacations. There's no Rihanna. There's no cool runnings. There's no more seasons of the White Lotus. And then what are white people gonna watch, huh? Succession? Yeah. I mean, I guess they could watch Succession, but that's one less show. You know what I mean? White Lotus and Succession are my two favorite TV shows. Did you mention that? Yeah, I, I literally just said that now. I feel like white people love those shows. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, right. right. Do you find it interesting that he had that blue screen behind him in the water? Like, was he trying to change his Zoom background? <laughs> Doesn't he know that most people make their background a beautiful beach or the ocean? Well, I think if you, if you live in a place, you try and do the opposite background. So he would do a city background? Yeah, he would probably do like a, like a tiny apartment in New York as his right, background. Right. Well, that's an interesting commentary that we all kind of want what isn't right in front of us, you know? I don't know if it's powerful. I mean, it's just a little observation that we have. There was a small observation I made, and, and you bring up a great point about smiling. I think that image would be even more effective if it was terror on their face, you that's, know? That's also what I said. I know. Well, that's what I mean. I'm really absorbing from this seat. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Yes. All right, let's move on to our next story, which is about Elon Musk, who is the CEO of Tesla, and Jeff Bezos on Molly. As the world's richest man, Musk gets a lot of perks in his life, right? He has his own space force, he can invent a new language to name his baby, and he can watch Hulu without the ads. Another big thing about being super rich is that Musk basically never has to pay taxes. Yeah, because all his money is in assets like stocks. He doesn't actually earn an income from doing his job, so he doesn't have to pay income tax. So right now, right now, there's a movement in Congress to tax wealth instead of income because of situations like this. And Elon Musk, he hates this idea like it's paper currency. But unlike most super wealthy people who would just like quietly pay off a senator behind the scenes, no, Musk took his fight to Twitter. And he, he, he hosted a poll, right? He took a poll asking whether he should sell 10% of his shares in Tesla, which would earn him about $25 billion, which he would then have to pay taxes on. And I mean, even that, people, even that just shows you how wild it is to be a billionaire. You hold a poll on Twitter that says, should I pay taxes? Like, you normal people try doing that shit. The IRS will answer that in person. They'll be at your house. Yo, you send that tweet? What? So how did Elon's poll go? Well, uh, he's definitely paying something. And the Twitterverse has spoken. Elon Musk asked millions of Twitter users if he should sell 10% of his Tesla shares. The results are in. Nearly 58% of people said yes, while 42% said no. Tesla down big after Elon Musk asked Twitter users whether he should sell 10% of his stock. That's taking four or four and a half percent out of Tesla. Yeah, because of Elon's tweet, Tesla's stock crashed instantly which should be a lesson. You never take financial advice from random ass users on Twitter. That's what Reddit is for. But at the same time, I actually find this kind of refreshing, you know? I mean, yeah, Elon Musk is unpredictable, but he's the only CEO who's having a good time. 
He's running Tesla, but he's also the mascot, you know? It's almost like if the Pillsbury Doughboy was also the CEO. That would be so much fun, you know? Just him going around the office telling people to touch his belly button. <laughs> Don't tell HR about this. <laughs> and by the way, if he actually ends up paying taxes on that stock, you realize that's gonna be like billions of dollars for the United States government all of a sudden. Like just at once. I really hope that you voted in the election last Tuesday, but I really, really hope you voted in Elon's Twitter poll because that, my friends, is clearly the vote that really matters. Did you vote? I didn't vote, but I feel for those astronauts flying on a SpaceX rocket ship right now whose toilet broke and they're wearing diapers, shitting in their own pants, going, I wish someone would fix the toilet. What's our CEO doing? Sending out a Twitter poll? Wouldn't that be frustrating? I think, I think this is a cry for cash. He needs cash. There's a difference between wealth and actually having money. And I think this guy's broke, man. Wait, you wait, know? you think Elon Musk is like he's cash broke? I don't think he has any cash. I think if you go to Applebee's with Elon Musk, he can't split appetizers with you, you know? He'll smile, he'll be like, you guys, I'm Elon Musk. And they'll go, we need $11, dude. Do you have $11? I got stock options. Where's your money, dude? That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? I, I guess. Yeah. Who's on Twitter polls? Come on. I, children. What do children not have? Money. Do you see how I drew that conclusion? Yes, I do. Perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's a really interesting way of seeing things. Thank you. I'm glad I have you here, Michael. <laughs> All right, finally, let's talk about Joe Biden, President of the United States and baby boomer with Gen Z teeth. After a rough few months, Biden just had a pretty good weekend. Congress finally passed his big infrastructure bill. The economy added more than half a million new jobs. And daylight savings means it's not as weird when he falls asleep at 5 p.m. Unfortunately for Biden, the story most people are talking about is this one. Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall, just can't stop talking about President Biden's faux pas in Glasgow at the climate conference last week. He apparently passed wind in front of her with a palace source claiming his own emissions were long and loud and impossible to ignore. So let me translate that for you. Passing wind is farting. Yes, Joe Biden farted. That's what he did. British people are so fancy. He passed wind. Where did he pass it? Sounds like you were going past it. No, he passed wind. The wind was passing through you. That is a fart. We have a word for that. And also, can you really blame Joe Biden? I mean, if you're gonna blame anyone, blame British cuisine. You can't serve a 78-year-old man baked beans for breakfast and then act shocked when he blows the doors off the hinges. <laughs> and Joe Biden can't be happy about this getting out, both the fart and the news about the fart. <laughs> because it doesn't matter how powerful you are. Once you fart, no one takes you seriously. Nobody, like, I don't care who you are. You fought, people stop taking, like, Jesus could come back today, but if he fought it in the middle of it, he'd have to go and chill in heaven for another 2,000 years until we forget. <laughs> and by the way, just by the way, of all people, the British royal family has no right judging anybody about anything, especially not a fart. You're the last people who can judge. Good heavens, President Biden farted. I simply have to go tell my uncle, who is also my husband, about this as soon as he gets back from Jeffrey Epstein's sex island. <laughs> you know what, if I was Joe Biden, I would have just owned this shit, yeah. I would have gone back to the American press and I would have been like, yeah, yeah, I fought it. And well, it wasn't a mistake. I saw the crown, that fought was for Diana. You can man, man. <laughs> America believes in farting. 
That's what I love about this country. Yeah, and England is, you know, it's like not proper to fart. That's why you look at so many of the royalty, their face is always like, they're holding it in, right? But America, we believe in the freedom to fart. That's why the American flag is always waving. That's, that's how George Washington crossed the Delaware, you know? The Statue of Liberty, that torch is eternal because they hooked up a hose from her butthole all the way up to the torch. Well, I don't know if that's true. It's, it's true. But I'm glad that you were proud. Yeah, I'm proud of that, the American farts. That's powerful. Yeah, it's like the, the nation, powerful. Like, the, you know what I mean? I think we solved it, dude. Thank you. Well, thank you, Michael. And thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I look forward to your email. All right, that's it for the headlines. Don't go away, because when we come back, we'll find out what Sesame Street thinks about COVID. Pretty controversial. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Let's talk about the COVID vaccine. It's Bill Gates' dumbest idea ever. <laughs> He's just giving us microchips for free, idiots. There are a lot of big stories about the vaccine right now, so let's catch up on all of them in our ongoing segment, Vaccination Nation. When the pandemic first hit in March 2020, most international travel shut down. You guys probably remember canceling summer vacation trips and pretending to be upset that you couldn't go to your cousin's destination wedding in Cancun. Well, now that the vaccines are out, the world is slowly opening back up again, including, as of this morning, America. Yeah, that's right. America is open for tourism again, which means come on in, everybody. Come on in, but, 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 but. Before you get on that plane, there are some rules. The U.S. today will reopen its borders to international visitors as long as they are fully vaccinated. People from more than 30 countries will be allowed to travel to the U.S. as long as they show proof of vaccination and a recent negative COVID test. Coronavirus restrictions have kept the crossings closed for nearly 20 months. Exceptions include travelers under the age of 18 and those from countries with low vaccination availability. Wow. That is a... That's a boatload of countries. What is it, like a list of 50? Like, okay, maybe it's just me, but this is a little confusing. They're saying the virus is so deadly, so deadly, you can't come to America unless you're vaccinated. But also, if you don't have the vaccine, no biggie. I mean, the policy's a little all over the place, no? It's almost like Dr. Fauci and Nicki Minaj worked together on a group project. I mean, the only other time you see this logic is from a bouncer at a nightclub. You know, they'd be like, hey, we got no room. We got no room. Come on, guys, we're totally full, man. Tight. Yo, totally full. Back up. No room, no room. Hey, yeah, come on in, ladies. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. Good to see you, girl. Yeah, you're looking good. You're looking good. Yeah, come on. Hey, man, what I tell you? No room. It's a fire hazard, B. And let's be honest, people. This travel rule seems to be more about feelings than actual public health, right? Because clearly the Biden administration is trying to balance public safety with not looking like you're banning shithole countries because now you're in a conundrum. Do you let unvaccinated people into the US, even though that's more of a risk, or do you look racist? Either way, it's a problem that could have been averted if America had shared its vaccines instead of having six vaccines for every man, woman, and emotional support animal. I'm just saying. Oh, and one person who definitely doesn't have the vaccine is the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. Last week, Rodgers came down with COVID which is how everyone learned that he wasn't vaccinated. Yeah, and apparently Rogers tried some homeopathic treatment instead of getting the vaccine. 
And that took a lot of people by surprise because back in the preseason, he said this. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. Yeah, yeah, I've been immunized. Not vaccinated, immunized. That was a pretty slippery answer looking back at it. This is like your girl asking if you're wearing a condom and you put on a bike helmet and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm wearing protection. And after this news broke, everyone wanted to know why. Why did Aaron Rodgers refuse to get vaccinated and hide it from everyone? And on Friday, he went on a podcast to give his side of the story. I'm not, uh, you know, some sort of anti-vax flat earther. Um, I am somebody who's a critical thinker. Uh, you guys know me, I marched to the beat of my own drum. I consulted with a now good friend of mine, Joe Rogan, after he got COVID. And I've been doing a lot of the stuff that he recommended in his podcasts. I've been taking monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, zinc, vitamin C and D, HCQ. I believe strongly in bodily autonomy and the ability to make choices for your body, not to have to acquiesce to some woke culture or crazed, you know, group of individuals who say you have to do something. The great MLK said that you have a moral obligation to object to unjust rules and rules that make no sense. Oh, that actually reminds me of another famous MLK quote. I have a dream that when I'm gone, you'll leave me out of your messy ass drama. So Rogers basically says that he's an independent thinker who doesn't want to be told what to do with his body. And I don't know, you, you ever notice how all the independent thinkers are doing the exact same thing, right? It's not like they're all coming up with different ideas. Like, I'm an independent thinker. What are my thoughts, Joe Rogan? Tell me about my independent thoughts. But you can tell how politics has just infected the entire vaccine debate, right? Because you'll never see Aaron Rodgers doing this to anything else. He's never applying this kind of independent thinking to the rest of his body. Like just once, I'd love to see him out there on the field, like forget pads and helmets. I've decided to cover myself in Manuka honey. And honestly, people, my biggest problem with athletes like Aaron Rodgers or Kyrie Irving is that they think that this choice only affects themselves. But there are real victims here. And yes, I'm talking about those of us who play fantasy sports. Because it used to be when you drafted players, all you had to take into account was their injury history or their team's off-season moves. Now, now you gotta be like, okay, what are the chances that this player gets his news from Facebook? Ah, I'm gonna lose points. And if you're wondering, isn't there a cultural figure out there who can challenge Aaron Rodgers? You know, someone who's pro-vaccination and who everyone respects? Well, worry no more, because help is on the way. And now Big Bird is causing a stir over the COVID vaccine. The Sesame Street character, who is six years old on the show, posted about getting the vaccine after the Pfizer shot was approved for kids as young as five. Texas Senator Ted Cruz responded to Big Bird's tweet saying, government propaganda for your five-year-old. All right, first of all, Ted Cruz, you need to calm down. Right? Five-year-olds aren't even gonna see Big Bird's tweet. Five-year-olds aren't on Twitter, they're on TikTok. And honestly, I'm surprised Ted Cruz is even going hard after Big Bird, considering how much they have in common. I mean, they both desperately want to fly, but they can't. This whole thing is such a double standard, right? People are upset about Big Bird getting the vaccine, but no one, no one cares about all the hormone injections that they've been giving him to make him as big and delicious as possible when they eventually eat him. Because that's gonna happen, people. It's only a matter of time. 
And that's going to be the worst Thanksgiving episode of all time. I mean, I will say, though, Big Bird getting vaccinated is not an effective way to convince people to get the shot. If they really, if they really want to convince kids, they should have killed one of the Sesame Street characters with COVID. Yeah, kids remember that shit. The Count should be there on his deathbed like, The vaccine could have saved me, but it's too late now. How many regrets do I have? One regret. Two regrets. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, your kid will remember that shit forever. Now, look, Big Bird is entitled to his opinions, but it turns out not every giant bird feels the same way. And we here at The Daily Show, well, we, we want to hear from all sides. So in the interest of fairness, here to offer an opposing and equally important opinion, please welcome Independent Thinking Bird. Thanks for having me on, Trevor. I'm excited to spread the truth. <coughs> <coughs> Wow, I hope that's all you're spreading. Um, Now, I understand that you disagree with Big Bird? It's not about disagreeing, Trevor. It's about keeping an open mind. Everyone says, listen to your doctor. But what about listening to this guy I met at the gym? His cousin got vaccinated, and two days later, his nipples fell off. That's why you should do your own research. Come on, that can't be true. And also, I mean, I assume that means you're not vaccinated? I still have my nipples, don't I? I I can't tell. Are you vaccinated or not? Even better. I'm immunized. That means I use alternative medicine, so I'm safe from disease and big pharma. But what alternative medicine is more effective than the vaccine? Well, I do yoga, I get acupuncture, and every night before bed... I drink a warm glass of goat piss. Which reminds me, today's show is brought to you by the letter P. Yum. No, 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 do not listen to him, kids. We are, we're not sponsored by the letter P. Nobody drink P, please. Sounds like Trevor's part of the cancel culture woke mob. I've been on Team Goat for years, and so far... The only diseases I've had are measles, mumps, rubella, early-onset Alzheimer's, whooping cough, Ukrainian smallpox, early-onset Alzheimer's, and bird flu. Or as we birds call it, the flu. Oh, that reminds me. Today's Daily Show is also brought to you by the letter B. That's the hepatitis I don't have. Okay, you know what? This, this is pointless. We shouldn't have done this. Let, let's, let's get you out of here before everyone gets sick. Um, thank you, independent thinking bird. Oh, hey, can I use the bathroom on the way out? No, it's for employees only. That's okay. I'll go on your windshield. You're going to shit on my windshield? No, no. can we... Can we you know what? Let, let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to be chatting to Spike Lee about a book that covers his entire life. You don't want to miss it. Listen, man. You don't come to my show what? and tell no. me that you're going to... I'm sorry. Gonna... I just got to go. I got IBS. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Academy Award-winning filmmaker Spike Lee. He's here to talk about his new book, which is a visual celebration of his life and iconic career thus far. Spike Lee, welcome it's back. A, it's good to see you. Man. How are you, sir? Good to see you. I'm it's good. good. It's good to see you. Look. You look, you don't look better. You look gooder than I've ever seen you before. And I wonder if the Knicks have anything to do with it. 
As a well, Knicks fan, how long have you been streaming? Well, the last time we won an NBA championship was the 72-73 season. Uh-huh. I feel like it's time now. <laughs> oh, it's time, but yeah. we, got, we got the agrees, and uh, as I say, it's orange and blue skies. Let's talk about that suit. Where do you even find that? Because I mean, you, no, don't, you don't pop out to a store and find an NBA logo suit. The logo is Jerry West. And it's Louis Vuitton suit. My brother Virgil, he hooked okay, it up. Okay, okay. Very, you know, it was, it was the season opener. <laughs> so I had to come out strong. <laughs> you look sharp. Dang, I could not think. I could not be messing around. You know, we're, things are looking good this year. Yeah. As far as basketball. You know, uh -huh. see, uh -huh. The rest of the world, I can't do. But, but you, know what, you know, my mom always says, you take what you can get. Take what you can get. Got to. My, my grandmother, who lived to be 100 years old, told me also, Spikey, got to crawl before you can walk. That's the truth. Live to be 100. Put me through Morehouse and NYU Film School, my grandmother. Wow. She saved the Social Security checks for 50 years for grandchildren's education. And since I was a firstborn, I had first dibs. Wow. So then in many ways, I would argue that this book is almost a celebration of her hard work. Oh, yes. Because, yes. I mean, this is... Her this grandmother is... was a slave, yet she was a college graduate from Spelman. But we, can I, I just say something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 95% of those pictures in that book are about my brother. That's what I wanted to ask you yeah, about. David so, Lee. Let's, let's, let's jump into the book. Okay. Um, there are few people who could put out a book of their work that would be as, I mean... Not just, not just wide-ranging, but also like time-spanning as this book is. You know, everything from she's got to have it, and then you, you, know, you go through some of these pictures, and you do the right thing, and then you're getting down, and you, you go to Jungle Fever, you go to Malcolm X. Let, 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 let's talk about the book as a whole. Mm -hmm. First of all, what's amazing is your brother has taken, as you said, like 90% of the pictures in here. I didn't know that you worked with your siblings on so many movies. Oh, yes. Uh, my brother David, uh, David Charles Lee, since... Film school, when I was at NYU graduate film school, he's been taking, documenting all my films. And now he's the top unit photographer in New York City. So I've been blessed. My sister Joie is a writer, director. She's been in my films. Uh, she, her and my brother Sankey Colt were the original writers of, of Crooklyn, right. which is semi-biographical of our family growing up in Brooklyn, New York during the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, my brother Chris, who's no longer with us, he was one of the really, really great first wave of graffiti, graffiti artists. His name was Shadow. So this just went through the family. Went through the family. And uh, I come from a very artistic family. Uh -huh. My father, Billy, great jazz musician, great composer, composed the scores for my films from film school, all with the Mo' Better Blues. And during the early 60s, he was the top folk bassist in the world. When Bob Dylan decided he wanted to go electric, everybody folk went electric. My father, to this day, has never played an electric instrument. Wow. But at first, I couldn't understand why my father would do that. But as I've gotten older and wiser, uh -huh. he had convictions. This is something he was not going to do. Now, of course, all jump saying, you have five kids. But he, he wanted to call it tone as is. He's a jazz musician. Mm -hmm. even, when he play, even when he played, he wouldn't put a mic up like on a stand to his bass. He didn't want anything. He just wanted it to sound the way it was. Yeah. 
And, and I, I can't hate him for that. I can't do that. And I'm just happy that with me coming to filmmaking, I was able to give, give him a platform. Mm -hmm. So his music, I mean, that do the right thing soundtrack was probably his best. I mean, people love that, you know. You, I mean, the score for it, not the soundtrack. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. your, your work speaks to everyone in every single way. I, I, I love that this isn't just a book of pictures from Spike Lee's work, but it's also, it's also snippets of your thoughts your ideas, mm -hmm. you know, as, as I was going through uh, it. Which, I was, which tab is that? Oh man, I mean, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you, for me, like Jungle Fever, for instance, yeah. you know, just reading through your mind where you were going, a lot of people misunderstand my work or they put one label to my work mm. and they don't understand that I'm telling a story about a complicated issue, right. I'm not telling the story about mm. all issues. Yes, the, the rap against Jungle Fever is that I was against interracial, you know, marriage or whatever, but that was not the case. What I wanted to do was to use specific, two Pacific neighborhoods, mm -hmm. Harlem, African-American, and Bezhurst, Stone Italian-American. And these two people from different backgrounds come together, and the pressures on them make it difficult for them. But that was not the really, the whole interracial thing was only a platform to get to what the movie's really about, which is at the time, how crack was devastating the black community, mm. which you really see through what I believe is one of the greatest Sam Jackson performances as Gator. Right. There are so many stories in here. There's so many moments from your life. I mean, you know, you, your, your life has spanned decades, time, well, my stories, fourth decades people, of filmmaking. Fourth decade of, of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. I would love to know what the 1986 Spike Lee would take as advice from the 2021 Spike Lee, you know? Person who's been through all these journeys from Crooklyn, do the if right thing all the I way really, through the five bloods. I, I rarely do these hypothetical things, but for you, my brother, I will. Thank you. If it, the 63-year-old Spike Lee could speak to the, as my mother would say, my late mother would say, the skinny, rusty butt spiky, I would tell my younger self that you have to be more patient with people and everybody is not the same and you can't expect everybody know what you, what you think or how you think or what mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and that, that is giving grace. Were you ever able to extend that grace to your father? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not, you know, he's, he's kind of like not really good in a, in a mental thing. Right. But he's still with us. You know, he's still with us. And if it wasn't for him and my mother, I would not be the artist I am. So love is always going to be there. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be the people we are watching all of these yeah, films. Yeah, oh, we got some. I know you got the book there. But I have personally <laughs> signed this, marked it up where you're there. My beautiful family, my siblings. And can we, can you read that? Is that personally signed to me? To Trevor, peace and love. Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Thank you, Spike and, and here's the thing though, last thing. I appreciate you, what you do Thank is you. needed. Keep doing it, man, because 
The streets love you. And that's, that's 100. The Thank streets you, love man. you, man. Thank you very much. We love you, man. Thank you so much. All right, people, Spike is available November 17th, wherever books are sold. Not this one, this is my one. We're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, Thanksgiving is one of the busiest times for the Feeding American network of food banks and meal programs. And their mission is to bring nourishing food to people in need. So if you would like to support them in their work, please donate at the link below and help to make the holidays brighter for your neighbors. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, Get your vaccine, and remember, if you fought in public, shit, you're presidential. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 